How do you find, recruit, and train the next generation of cyber professional? One way is to bring together the best college talent around the country in a not-so-friendly game of hack attack, with students fending off a swarm of professional hackers until one team is crowned champion. It's called the National Collegiate Cyber Defense Competition, and it's presented by Raytheon, the sponsor of this podcast, with additional support from companies like Walmart and Uber and government agencies, including one based in Langley. With us today are the 2018 winners of the competition and current holders of the coveted Alamo Cup. Maybe they'll even tell us what that is. They're from the University of Virginia, and they'll explain what it takes to triumph over more than 230 other schools in this nationwide test of cyber skills, strategy, and teamwork. Joining me with questions is Andrew Walworth, Senior Fellow at the Murrow Center at the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy at Tufts University. Thanks, Carl. We'll also hear from Dwayne Williams, Director of the National Collegiate Cyber Defense Competition. I'm Carl Cannon, and this is Real Clear Cyber Today. Podcast presented by Raytheon. From connected devices to infrastructure to critical mission systems, Raytheon crosses networks, markets, and continents, defending every side of cyber to make the world a safer place. Well, welcome to the podcast, guys. It's great to have you here in the studio. Maria, Kenny, let me start with you. You're a rising senior at the University of Virginia, correct? And you were the team captain, so welcome. And tell us first why you decided to join the uh, competition. So, um, I, so I'm studying computer science, and I had an interest in cybersecurity, but I wasn't really sure how to get into that field. Um, so I joined our Computer Network Security Club to learn more about the field. And then two of the co-presidents of it, Jake and Roman, basically brought this competition to the group's attention and said, hey, who wants to get involved with this? Um, and I was one of the people that responded, and it turned out okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And Roman, so you were, uh, you, was your idea to get this thing going in the first place there? Well, it wasn't just my idea. Um, my friend and I, we've been... Your doing... friend, is he here? Which one is your friend over there? You're not mic'd up, just raise your hand. <laughs> That's right. All right. Yeah, so um, uh, we, did, we did a competition in high school. It's called Cyber Patriot. And um, in college, we kind of, the, the CCC is kind of the second level of that. Um, and so we, we, we heard about it before, so, so we decided to participate in it. Roman uh, Bohuk, where did you go to high school? I went to Deep Run High School in Glen Allen, Virginia. All right, and so it's Cyber Patriot, it's called? Well, Cyber Patriot is a national competition. Okay. So tell us about that. Um, you're, it, it's a team of about. I'm, I'm not sure if the rules have changed, but it, 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 it used to be a team of six students um, that, that goes into that is presented with a set of virtual machines, which are um, kind of computers inside of a computer. Uh, I, I guess that's how you can explain it. Uh, you have six six contiguous hours, and you have to um, sit down and try to find as many viruses as you can on, on the machine. You have to try to lock it up, uh, fix all the vulnerabilities, and, and then you get points for it. And how much time? Six hours. Six hours. We need to hire him at our company. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, so there were 10 teams in the finals. Now I'm talking about the, the, the winner of the Alamo Cup now. Now the co we're going back to the collegiate competition. Um, and it was in Orlando. So how was the competition set up there? So there were different team rooms. So of the um, 10 teams, there were 10 rooms, and so each team had their own room. And 
our entire network was set up in the room, so all of the computers and servers and um, firewalls were set up in those rooms, and so then the competition, it was a two-day competition, um, I think seven and eight hours about each day of that we competed. So which schools going into it were you most worried about? Who was the heavy that you had to knock off? So, um, is it University of Central Florida? Yeah, I, th I think they were the last year's champions. I think they've won a couple, couple times, they haven't won, they? Yeah. They won three times in a row. Wow. Go who's? Yeah. They dethroned them. <laughs> right. yeah. So tell us, um, uh, Maria, start with you. What's your background? How did you get involved in, in uh, interested in computers in the first place? So um, I originally w just started in general engineering. I wasn't sure what specific um, field I wanted to go into, and then I found computer science through one of our introduction um, classes. Basically, it was like this new way of solving problems, um, which is why I went into engineering in the first place and to help people. So then I ended up in computer science, and then within computer science, there we do different student taught courses at the university, and so there was a security student taught course that I took, and I was really interested in it. So I was like, hey, I might want to go pursue this and learn more about it. And how about you? Well, I think I was always interested in mathematics and logic, and that's what brought me into computer science. And then within computer science, I got interested in pretty, pretty much every field uh, of it. And that's, that's what kind of cybersecurity is. You have to know everything from hardware to software. And that, that, that's why I'm yeah, in cybersecurity. So we're talking to Mariah Kinney and Roman Bohu. They're on the winning team at the University of Virginia, a cyber competition. I'm Carl Cannon. Um, let me ask you, I'll start with you, Roman. So, so your background is mathematics. Mariah was interested in engineering, but you got into this. What specifically about cybersecurity? When's the first time you thought this was a, an area you wanted to focus on? Hmm. And you can mention Vladimir Putin if you want to. <laughs> you're, you're from Belarus. It's okay. We talk politics here. We're real clear politics. Um, I, I think, as I mentioned, it was probably the combination of all of the fields. And, and also, I guess, when you just do computer science, you, you, well, as a software engineer, you, you, you should, but you don't generally think about all of the ways that an attacker could kind of exploit your code or um, get around you to the security measures you put in. Um, but, but for me, it was, it was always interesting to kind of do something, but then also try to attack myself <laughs> and, and try to kind of exploit uh, my own code. I, I guess it's just this kind of this adversarial kind of aspect with dream to cybersecurity, as, as, well as, the, as well as the combination, integration of all of the different fields. Right. I really appreciated that there's always something new to learn in the field. Like, it's an ever-growing field and it's changing every day. And like, you learn things and you can build off of that, but there's also always something new to learn, which I really appreciated. It's like journalism, Andy. Yeah, right. It's an <laughs> excuse to discover new things about the world. So one thing that makes the um, NCDC uh, competition a little different is that it's um, des designed to really test you in sort of a real-life scenario, um, that you not only have to defend yourself uh, against the red team, but you also have to accomplish certain tasks that they're giving you as you go along. So what was the hardest part of the competition? I think it was teamwork and, and not being stressed. So at the competition, I'm, I'm not going to say you're set up for failure, but you, I, I, I think you kind of are. Um, you're set up for failure? Yeah. Well, it, the, the competition is designed more, um, not, not how you can defend yourself, mm -hmm. but how can you respond to, to being attacked. Right. So that's definitely a really big part. And also, um, as soon as you go in, you're just presented with hundreds of different challenges, old ones, mm -hmm. and you, um, and there are only eight of us, uh, eight, eight people for about 30 different computers. Um, and so 
it's very hard not to start doing something, then somebody tells you to do something else, and then you, you, you go do, do that, and then, and then at, at that point you, you forgot about something you, you were doing in the first place. Um, and so one of, one of the big, biggest challenges is, first of all, having a plan, following the plan, um, staying on task, communicating well with the other team members. I would um, agree with that. And I think just, I guess, an overarching theme of what you're saying is just the management of your entire network, management of the people, management of the network, um, and then any upcoming tasks that you had to do, and figuring out what your priorities were um, and how to manage those priorities the best that you could. You know, we talked earlier in this uh, series with, with Michael Hayden, who was uh, the head of the NSA and the head of the CIA, and knows a little bit about cybersecurity. Um, and uh, it's interesting, because what, what you're saying, Roman, he said the same thing. Because I asked him, I said, you know, we always think of sort of security as being trying to keep the bad guys out, and he said, no, 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 the bad guys are already in. So it's, it's about managing the risk that's inside your network already. They're already there. So in that sense, Roman, it sounds like it was kind of like, pretty much like a real life experience. Yeah, th that's what the competition is kind of aimed at, to, to, sim to simulate the, the real life experience. I think they did a really good job with that. Let me, uh, Roman, you said one thing that interests me. That you're almost set up for failure. It reminds me of the, movie, 1983 movie, War Games. Now, this is way before your time. Did you guys see this? Is this a movie you're familiar with? I've seen it. Yeah. Okay. Well, you need to. All right. It set all of this in motion, everything we're talking about. It's, it's the first cyber security movie. Yeah. And, um, but the, 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 there's a, the machine, it's, you know, it, you can't, you have to beat the machine, the machine. The, the nuclear codes have been all, take, it's all AI. The humans have been taken out of it. And then a machine decides it's going to play the game. But uh, the game can't be won, which is the riddle. And the riddle of the movie is that the nuclear war can't be won. But I'm, I'm wondering, you know, can cyber war be won? This, 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 this battle we're fighting every day, companies, schools, nations, can't, you know, is it, is, it a, is it a game that can be won? Potentially. Um, I don't think you can define a specific endpoint for it, but I think in the meantime, you have to understand risk management. Um, and then as you're doing that, you can kind of see the situation develop and see where it goes from there. And I think it'll be really adaptive along that way, too. But I, I can't say, like, a specific, if you do this, it will end. But you sound optimistic, not pessimistic, Mariah. You should be. Um, I mean, there's a lot of threats going on, but, like, if, you're, if you just give in to all of the threats, like, what's the point? <laughs> um, and it's also about compromising. I mean, you can throw away all the computers, and then there will be no cyber risks because there's no no cyber. Uh, but but I mean, pe people do accept the risk. It, it, it's a war people that are fighting for, and they're um, I mean, the, they're they're fine losing it. It seems like it, you know. Um, all right, we're going to take a break now. Uh, we'll be back shortly with our guests, uh, Mariah Kinney and Roman Bohuk. I'm Carl Cannon. This is Real Clear Cyber Today. Don't go away. In a world where every degree. Every dollar, every defender, and every domain is connected. Seeing every angle is essential. That's why Raytheon works across networks, markets, and continents, combining human ingenuity with artificial intelligence to outpace and outmatch every threat, to protect commercial enterprise, critical infrastructure, and mission-critical systems, to deliver trusted, innovative solutions that secure our way of life and defend every side of cyber. This is Raytheon, making our increasingly connected world a safer place. Because when everything is connected, security is everything. 
Mariah Kenny. So I want to go back to the competition itself. Like you walk in there and what happens? What's the first thing that happens? And walk me through the competition. So um, the competition itself, it's Inherit and Defend. We're inheriting this compromised network. It's as if the previous security team just left and we're now inheriting this and we're supposed to defend whatever active attacks are going on. For the national competition, we got a network map two hours before the competition started. So basically, you can tell our viewers what a network map is, because unlike Carl and me, they might not know what that is. Sure, so a network map basically just says what um, machines and systems are in your network. So this is the machine that your web server is running off of. This is your machine that, um, it could be like a workstation, like a, a desktop laptop that one of your workers are using. So it, it just says these are all the different machines in your network, um, and this is what they do or are responsible for. And it's also more of a guideline, because even though they might give you a network map, you never know if there's some extra computer somewhere on it. And so, so, so you have to, um, well, one of the biggest challenges in the competition is knowing what you have. So we walked in, and on our map, it said that we had a specific firewall, a Palo Alto firewall. So we walked in the room, and there was no such firewall. Um, so our firewall um, administrator, Paul, was like, well, all right. <laughs> um, so the other um, people, so we had a Windows team that were responsible for machines running Windows, and then a uh, Linux team for any machines running a Linux distribution, and then we had um, Paul and Firewalls. So basically the first thing our game plan was to sit down at whatever machines that we're responsible for um, and start hardening the machines or setting up different defenses on the machines. So it's a two-day competition. The first day, they're just trying to gain persistence, which basically just means that they'll have a lot of different ways to get back into your network. If you potentially kick them out in this one place, they have another way that they can get in. So that's the first day. And then the second day is when they start trying to take down machines, basically turning them off, deleting all of the data on it, or posting all of the data. Or just destroying the operating system itself. Yeah, exactly. So how, how accurately do you think this reflects, the competition reflects the challenge that would be faced by, you know, real professionals in cybersecurity in the real world. I think it's pretty accurate because another, so we were trying to defend the system, but one of the main tasks that we're doing is keeping our services running, keeping like business continuity. And so that's something that's reflected in the real world. If you're under attack, you still have customers that are using your services. You still need your business to keep going. You're going to lose ridiculous amounts of money and um, customers. So I think that was another aspect of the competition that really did a good job to reflect the real world. We also actually, we did have a um, phone in our room that, that the customers could call and ask us questions. <laughs> yeah. Yes. They're like, hey, your website's down, like, what's going on? And so we'd have to then respond to that, like, in a customer support. Someone has to do that. So did you come up with, like, a team strategy beforehand? And did, did you assign roles to people? And uh, Right after we won the regional round, we, um, we met, we met a, lot of, a lot of people who participated in the competition before. Mm -hmm. And the la last year's champions, the University of Maryland team, they were very helpful. Um, they, they gave us a lot of information. But we, um, we met multiple times a week. We, and we prepared both a plan of, for, for, for each of the team members. So as soon as you get in the competition, you open the computer and you do this. And then um, we also got a bunch of different subplans for each of the different operating systems and different services. The interesting part is that as soon as we came into the competition, um, everything was not according to the plan. So, so we kind of had to scratch that, and we just communicated. So you guys were the blue team, and there were the red team. The red team is the people who are trying to break into your network. Who was the red team, and how good were they? So the red team um, is kind of a conglomeration of 
professionals in the industry that um, either do red teaming as their um, job or they do red teaming on the side. Um, so basically trained professionals that this is their job every day to break into networks legally. Um, you sure? <laughs> you sure about that? <laughs> I'd like to say That's for the most part. Okay. <laughs> I'll let them speak for themselves. All right, so how do you prepare for a competition like this? I, you know, when I had a, an exam in college, you know, if you're a history major, you wake up and realize, you know, you haven't been to class in six weeks, you better read the textbook, and you cram. How do you prepare for this? What, what kind of cramming did you do the night before? I think we, um, well, we didn't expect our plane to work 100%. So we kind of identified all of the possible operating systems, all of the possible services that we could get at the competition. Meeting together, the six of you. Six? Eight. eight. eight of you. Okay. And we um, tried to come up with a plan for each. Um, we had some backup plans, for example, if you're not going to have internet access. You had a plan for that? Yeah. Okay. Because um, at the regional round, um, we didn't have internet access at all. network, We had to have a flash drive and go to a separate computer, download all of the files we need, and then go back to our um, network and then plug it in. I need these guys on my staff. When, we rent, when internet goes out in our office, I just send everybody to a bar. <laughs> right. So you had all these contingencies. You, all right, and, what, and some of them were true, weren't they? Some. Yeah. But at the same time, we expected things to kind of be on fire when we get there. Okay. And what was also good is that the competition is two days, so we, so we get a break between the first day and the second day. This was our first time participating in the competition. Really? So we, um, that, that's when we, we already knew what, what, was, what was in the network, so we kind of, we made, it, we made a list, for, 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 for an individual list for each, for each of the people, and, and we went ahead and printed it. And so th that was our plan. Now, what hotel was this at? Was it a hotel or the convention center? Where was it? It was in Disney. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, you guys are still young enough to enjoy that, right? Yeah. When the competition is going on, do you have any sense of how you're doing compared to the other teams, or is it just blind? Half and half. So in there was like an operations center um, where the coordinators were sitting, and so there were boards that had different lights that told. So we had, like I was telling you earlier, the there's different services that we have to maintain, and so it would tell you which services were up for each team, but that service but that service check happens every two or three minutes. And so you can get a quick snapshot of in that current moment what their services were up, but you didn't necessarily have an idea of how the teams were doing personally in the rooms or how their network was doing or what kind of attacks they were under. So we actually didn't have a great idea how we were doing relative to the other teams until like the end when they told us who won. Well how did Central Florida did they were they gracious to you? Yeah. Did they come up and shake your hand? They, they, they were they were definitely very Professional. That's nice. Is there any trash talking? I mean, is yeah. there? So how I was do you trash talk around a cyber? How do you spike a football? Yeah. Right. Honestly, I don't think there was a whole lot of trash talk. It was more of talking about what kind of attacks people had gone under and what they had done about it. It was more of a learning experience, honestly. Like during the competition, we obviously didn't talk about it too much. But after the competition, we met up and compared, you know, different firewall rules that people had done or different like methods they had done to like set up uh, to change their network. Um, yeah. And we also exchange contact information with them, so in the, in the future, in between the competitions, we can, if there are any other opportunities, we can definitely collaborate. That's pretty reassuring, Andy. I know, it's so, so civil. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's well, of course, even in the Stanley, this is the Alamo Cup. Yes. Well, we haven't talked about the Alamo yeah, Cup, which about, I want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, please. But in the Stanley Cup, I mean, they beat the crap out of each other <laughs> during the finals, and then they line up on the ice and shake hands. This sounds even better than that. They exchange trade secrets. Not all of them. Not all of them. Good one, uh, Mariah. All right, tell us about the Alamo Cup. Well, describe it. 
This is radio. People can't see it. It's not even here, even if they could see it. It's probably three or four feet tall. Um, it's huge. Yes, it's a very large trophy. Um, and how long do you get it for? We get it for the year until the next, comp the next national competition comes around next year. What year are you? I am a rising fourth year senior. So you'll be around to defend it? Yes. Roman? Well, rising second year sophomore. Okay, all right then. So you've, you've got a legacy here to build. We would like to keep it. Right. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> so, you know, um, John Simone, who's the vice president of cybersecurity at, at, uh, at Raytheon, says that there'll be 1.8 million open positions in cybersecurity in 2022, which is not that far away. So it's definitely a growth field. What about your future plans? Are you, is this something you might pursue after college, or have you had enough and you're going to just rest on your laurels? I definitely want to pursue cybersecurity after I graduate. I definitely want to pursue cybersecurity as well, even if I don't. I think the, the knowledge I gained um, in, in the cybersecurity field and also at the competition will, will can definitely be applied to almost any field. And are you learning enough about cyber? Is that being taught now in college? It, it's getting better uh, at the moment. I don't think it's very um, effective. It, it definitely needs improvement. Um, there's a lot of um, progress being made and there's a lot of things in the works, but we're definitely not where we need to be in terms of cybersecurity um, education. Well, Mariah, so 2022, 1.8 million jobs. Um, that's also, well, that's another midterm election year. So I don't know how many of those 1.8 million positions will be defending democracy from hacks on our election system. But uh, from what Annie and I have learned while doing this series, um, I mean, you'll be doing you'll be doing the Lord's work by protecting democracy. So I would encourage you to keep on keeping on, as we used to say when I was your age. Uh, Andy, do you have anything to add? Uh, you know, I just asked one more, because I did a conference this spring about women in cybersecurity, and I have to ask you, um, Mariah being the team captain, were you one of the only women there? Were there a lot of women there? What's it, what's it like for a woman trying to break into cyber these days? There were a few other women on other teams. Um, it's definitely something that needs improvement. Um, and I think that if people just keep reaching out to all individuals like that are interested in cybersecurity um, and helping build their network um, and just offering resources. I'm, we were just talking about how the education industry in general for cybersecurity needs improvement, um, and I think that will be a huge part of it. It's just building that network and providing resources um, for students that are interested in cybersecurity so they can pursue it. Yeah, this is something that come out of some other conversations we've had, just how, you know, there's, there's so many aspects to cybersecurity and so many skill sets that are required that, it, you know, they definitely need people who can program and do computer science, but they need people who can manage. There's a whole human element to it. So it's a, so it's a big field. There's a lot of opportunity there, and I'm really glad you guys are won this thing and you're getting exposed to it, and thank you for coming and joining us. Mariah Kenny, Roman Bohook, uh, first of all, congratulations on winning the Alamo Cup. I expect to see you at Nat Stadium hosting it aloft, you know, in a state of an EB, EB well, no, they're college students. Um, <laughs> like Alex Ovechkin did. Um, thanks for joining us, in all seriousness. For more information about cybersecurity, including information on the growing need for cyber professionals, go to realcleardefense.com. There you'll get a prompt to go to our cybersecurity homepage. We're joined now by Dwayne Williams. He's the director of the National Collegiate Cyber Defense Competition.
tell us about the competition. How did it get started and why? Well, thanks for having me. Um, the competition got started back in 2004. There was an NSF grant that was initiated, and they were just asking the question, how can we develop more cybersecurity professionals? Is there a way to let schools that have a cybersecurity curriculum compete against each other, exchange ideas, improve skills? Uh, at that meeting, it's a meeting of academics, so their typical response is, let's form a committee and we'll talk about it. Um, our center director, who was at that particular meeting, is Dr. Greg White. Uh, he pulled a couple of people aside and said, look, I got an idea. If I build something, will you send teams to compete? And so in 2005, we held the first regional event uh, in Texas. We had five schools from the Texas area. They all came to San Antonio to compete. And from there, we built the program out. So we just finished up our 13th season. Uh, we had our 13th national championship. And how many schools are involved now? We have over 230 schools, colleges and universities. Uh, they're limited to one team apiece. They can have 12 people on the roster, but only eight people can compete at any given time. So that's, well, that's really growing. What, when are you going to start offering prize money? So that's been an interesting concept. You know, the question is, what do these students win? Um, this is truly a bragging rights competition. It's the honor, the experience that they gain. Uh, the real money for it really comes in opportunity on the backside of it. So every student that I've ever talked to that comes through this, especially at the national championship level, is incredibly recruited. Uh, we had to institute a rule about four years ago at the national championship that companies weren't allowed to make job offers during the event itself, because we literally had two companies competing for the same student, handing offer letters back and forth. And so obviously you can't compete. You know, if you're going into free agency, you don't want people throwing your offers while you're on the floor. So uh, that's I think the sort of thing. NCAA should get involved in this. Wait, 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 wait. Dwayne, that reminds the two greatest words in the English language our bidding war. Absolutely. But but I have to say, and so that's good, but opportunity on the backside sounds to me like a guy who didn't get the grant yet to award money. Ah. Uh, yeah, and, and we have actually, we've, we've gotten the opportunity, we could probably award some scholarships and funding there, but um, we've tried to keep some of the money part of it out of it to keep the pure academic joy of competing and, and the honor of winning into it. So um, when we focus on making the competition as equal as possible, there's never that money question of, well, this team won because there's money involved in this team won. Um, the other thing we try to do is make it so that any school can compete. So you don't have schools that can buy their way into a championship, that have better skills or programs or could bring different kinds of equipment. So when the students come into play, they're playing on a field that I provide. So the software that's provided to them, the, the computers that they're playing on, all of that's there, so it's a level playing field. It's team versus team. It's not what you can buy and bring into the event. So now we know why it's called the Alamo Cup, because it started in San Antonio. That's a big part of it, but it's also that defense element of against overwhelming odds. Well, but they lost at the Alamo, Dwayne. They, they got did. slaughtered. They, they all died. <laughs> they did. And so that's somewhat of that philosophy, but also that they never give up and keep defending no matter what's happening to you. So the students will tell you one of the things they see when they walk into that environment is everything's on fire. Well, it's sort of like that, you know, Delta selection, SEAL selection process. We're really looking for people that don't quit. When you're looking at a cybersecurity arena, you're always going to be facing those overwhelming odds. You're always going to have the wind against you, the surface frowning in your face. You're going to be fighting uphill every single day. So that's what you're looking for in those cybersecurity professionals, the people that are curious and never quit. Tell me about the red team, because I'm still interested in this. Because, you know, we always talk about cyber as being defense, but the truth is there's cyber attacks, um, as the Iranians and some other people have found out, and, um, including maybe the North Koreans. Um, the, the, the U.S. does have an offensive cyber capability. We, we don't talk about it often. We do. They don't like to talk. Like we, to couldn't talk get, we couldn't get Hayden to talk about it at all. <laughs> <laughs> but um, So tell me about the red team. Where do you find these guys and what do they do? So the red team, uh, especially at the national championship level, is an incredibly talented group of individuals. So we recruit... But uh, these are not students. These are... Absolutely not. 
So these are industry professionals. These are the people that write the tools that other people use to go assess networks. Uh, so the individuals that come in and serve on the red team are absolute experts at breaking into networks, keeping a presence there, disrupting your systems, finding your weaknesses, exploiting them. Uh, we have people that have written security books on our team. We have people that write the security tools, as I said. Uh, we have industry volunteers, um, representatives from companies like Raytheon and others that supply those professionals that uh, they volunteer their time to come out and give these students an experience of what it's like to face a determined attacker. Let, let me ask you, we did an event, one of these in San Antonio, and Will Hurd is a congressman. He, he came to our event. Uh, I, I interviewed him myself. He's a computer he's a computer science major. He is. One of, I think, three in Congress, and there's, I don't know, two or three hundred lawyers. Um, in talking about this competition, these students that come through your program and, and compete uh, for the Alamo Cup, uh, do you, is there a public policy aspect to, to this? Do, does anybody talk to them about maybe a, a, a career in, you know, they can go to Raytheon and they can, you know, they can solve these technical problems, but uh, uh, other things, go into politics, go into, go into teaching, other sort of professions where cybersecurity is underrepresented. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned Congressman Hurd. Um, he is a frequent visitor to the University of Texas at San Antonio campus where we work. Uh, he came out to the national championship two years ago. Uh, so he's very familiar with the program. I've spoken to him on several occasions. Uh, but he's one of the rare examples of people that are in a policy-making position where they understand the technical issues behind it as well. Uh, one of the things that we do try to expose the students to are other opportunities. So we'll have government entities that will come in also sponsor the national championship and get to talk to the students and recruit and put their message out there. But there is absolutely what I would consider to be a lack of that technical expertise going into that policy arena. So we do have gaps there where policies will get written that can't necessarily be technically implemented or may not be the right answer from a technical perspective. So that gap certainly exists. And what's next? You've got 230 plus teams, you've got an annual competition, you've got a cup. How does this grow? So the, the continued growth for us is to expand the qualifying throughout the rest of the United States. So right now we're a little bit constrained in how we can grow in terms of how many qualifying events we can hold. So we've got some solutions we're working on for that. Uh, and then the next step is to take it international. And we're talking to some other schools around the world about capabilities they may have to field teams that could then take this from a national championship to a global or international championship. International. North Korea going to be allowed to compete? It would depend, you know, very heavily. We haven't well, gone down that road yet. But uh, again, coming from an academic perspective, we don't necessarily have, you know, enemies of the state kind of thing. An academic perspective, when you're competing against, it's just like the Olympics. You let other people play, you let other people compete. It's a chance to make friends in other countries and have goodwill exchange between borders. Like the, like the World Cup. Like the World Cup. Dwayne Williams, thanks so much for being here. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Uh, for more information about cybersecurity, including information on the growing need for cyber professionals, go to realcleardefense.com, where you'll get a prompt to go to our cybersecurity homepage. We hope you'll join us next time. On behalf of all of us here at Real Clear Politics, especially Andrew Walworth, I'm Carl Cannon. <laughs>